Finally, there's one big tech company that's holding up okay. Apple's up 7.35% today after some phenomenal earnings. And this is one thing that investors are missing. I have Apple as a big holding of mine. I'm currently $17,000 in the green on this company, and it's a $52,000 holding. This is a substantial holding, so I follow it very closely. And investors aren't realizing how impressive this earnings report was for Apple. It was incredible. I'm going to highlight why this earnings report was so incredibly good and what investors are missing with a minor detail that Apple released earlier this week. They're raising prices on their TV and music streaming services. This is a much bigger deal than what the media is making it out to be. I'll explain how this will affect Apple. We also have some other big holdings of mine. Vici Properties just reported earnings and Texas Roadhouse also reported earnings. These are massive holdings of mine. They are where the majority of my money is. Vici is my third largest holding in my portfolio. And Texas Roadhouse is my second largest holding. So both of these are very meaningful. We're going to go over both the earnings reports and I'll give you my reaction. And then it's just a side piece of news. Elon Musk walked into Twitter headquarters holding a sink for the joke let this sink in. We'll also be discussing Elon Musk finally owning Twitter. All right, so we have a lot to jump into in this episode, a lot of news to cover and earnings reports to get into. This is the passive income portfolio for all of you new. This is what we do on this show. Instead of just talking about finance and giving general advice, I actually do something different here. I show what I'm doing with my portfolio with transparency every single video. You can see specifically what I'm buying, what I'm selling, my thoughts going throughout this journey, and you get to see how it plays out. I can't see the future. So there's a lot on the line here. I have over $350,000 in value in this portfolio. I'm trying to manage it to get the best return possible with taking the minimal amount of risk. And no matter what direction this portfolio goes, if I make money or lose money, I'll show you the results either way. You can follow along for free by subscribing to the channel. We also have a Patreon community where you get access to the Qualtrum software. That's this website where you get all these graphs and charts. You also get exclusive episodes every week and a Discord community, and it's full of thousands of people. So check it out if you want. There's a free trial. You join with the link in the description below. Now let's go ahead and jump in. Like I said, my biggest holding in my portfolio remains Apple. Part of the reason Apple's such a big holding is both because I invested a lot in this company, but also because the gains have been substantial. They're $17,000. I started buying Apple with just a couple hundred dollars way back in 2017. So those initial buys, the first ones that I did, are up three or four times by now. But I kept buying the company because in my view, the fundamentals of the company continue to improve over time. And I continue to add as the fundamentals and valuation improve. Right now, Apple is up 7.48% today off of the earnings news yesterday. Here we can see a breakdown of the earnings yesterday. I highlighted this breakdown in two different colors. Green signifies that it was a beat. Red signifies that Apple missed the mark. On the earnings per share and revenue, Apple beat on both of them. So top and bottom line, which is the two most important things, Apple beat. And then Apple's gross margins came in at 42%. Now, for most people, I think that Apple is one of those companies where a lot of people believe they know it. They believe they understand the investment when they really don't. They really miss a lot of important things with this company. I think this is one of the sneakier companies in the market. Taking a quick glance at the companies, the fundamentals, of course, look incredible. The growth looks really strong, even though the company's massive. Apple's one of those big tech companies that does not disappoint on the cash flows. They generate constant constant free cash flows. The earnings, of course, continue to grow, and the returns on capital employed, how effective Apple is at reinvesting, have not only been consistent for over two decades, 
but they're also increasing over time, going up to 50 and 60%. These are very high ROCE numbers. So that seems like a simple investment thesis. It's a good company, but it's a good company that's already priced a little bit high and it's already massive. So how much area does Apple have to actually grow? Well, let's take a look at a couple things here. The first thing is the revenue, the top line growth of the company. One of the things that I've heard from investors mistakenly year after year, quarter after quarter, is Apple so big their growth is going to be very, very slow. Apple is a slow-growing company. That is a thing that I've heard over and over again. And one of the things Apple has done is grown their revenue way above expectations over and over again. They are a revenue growth company. They continue to grow that top line. This year's revenue grew by 8.4%. When you consider the fact that this is 8% revenue growth after 47% revenue growth. So Apple, from here to here, grew their revenue by 47%, and then they grew it by 8% right after. That is incredible. Most companies this big are not able to pull off this good of revenue growth off of this tough of comparables. They're simply not able to do it. Yeah, last year we grew our revenue 47%, and instead of our revenue reverting back to the mean and going back down, it actually just grew another 8%. That's how good of a company we are. That's the first thing. The second thing with Apple is this company, unlike a lot of other big tech companies, this one actually consistently, every single quarter, posts these massive free cash flow numbers. Last quarter, we have $20.8 billion in free cash flow. Apple used $15 billion of this to return back to the shareholder in a single quarter. And by the way, this free cash flow growth is 22% over the prior year. So even when they had a fantastic year last year, they still grew at 22%. I don't see how anyone can really complain about a company like this. The revenue, the growth, the free cash flow is wild. And then also that quarter, they posted 20.7 billion in net income, meaning that they had above 100% cash conversion. The net income this company makes is actual free cash flow, 100% of it. Now, in terms of dividend investing, Apple is growing their dividends slower than other companies. This can be looked at as a disappointment as they only grew their dividend by 4.5% last year, but I think they make up for it in their buybacks. They're doing more buybacks than most big tech companies at 2.7% reduction in shares outstanding. That's similar to having a 2.7% dividend. They could have raised their dividend by that amount, but instead they're choosing to buy back their shares. And you can see the precipitous decline in shares outstanding since 2011. So the fundamentals of Apple remain not only resilient, but also growing. This company's not just maintaining its moat, it's expanding its profitability and expanding its cash flows. And that's still not the most impressive part. We have this news right here that Apple raised prices on its TV and music streaming services. Apple has what it calls its Apple One bundle, where it has Apple Music, TV, Arcade, iCloud, News, Apple Fitness, and other services that they include in this big bundle here. And a lot of people will choose these services because they're so heavily integrated into the iPhone. Well, they're going to be raising prices on all of these services, plus the overall bundle, by just a bit. They say now the monthly individual subscription to Apple Music costs $10.99, versus the previous $9.99, compared to Spotify currently at $9.99 a month. So they're actually raising prices $1 over Spotify. They say Apple TV Plus will cost $6.99 a month, more than the previous price of $4.99. So they're raising the price of Apple TV by $2 per month. Apple TV Plus has been competitively priced against other streaming services, some of which have also raised prices in recent months. 
So they're raising prices on their music streaming service on TV. Apple's also raising the price of their entry level for Apple One, which adds storage and arcade gaming services from $14.95 to $16.95. So you see these minor changes. These aren't huge price hikes, but they're a couple dollars here and there. How do you really break this down with a company of this size, though? A couple dollars on a very high margin portion of their business can have a substantial impact on their profitability. And this is the leverage that Apple has. This portion of the business is particularly high margin. So even though these are only a couple dollars in price hikes, they make a massive difference. To illustrate the impact this may have, I'll show this chart again. This is the amount of subscribers estimated by Morgan Stanley that Apple has gained quarter over quarter. This is their change in paid subscribers throughout all of their services. The chart starts in 2016 with an estimated 150 million subscribers, and then Apple gains around 15 million per quarter. Then it goes up to gaining 20 million per quarter. Then it goes up to gaining 40 million per quarter. From March of 2022, going from 825 million to then June, 860 million. Massive gains in subscribers as they build out these services. Now, I have to mention again that this is not official numbers given by Apple. So they haven't released this data. This is an estimate by Morgan Stanley, and it could be wrong, but this is what they estimate in terms of their total subscribers. If we assume this has grown to somewhere around 900 million, 900 million paid subscribers across all of Apple's services, only a price increase of $1 to $2 would mean something like $10 to $20 billion in extra income per year. That's the extra revenue from their services from these incremental price increases. And that revenue, again, is very high margin revenue. The profit margins are much better in these services. So look, I've said this before, I'll say it again. In terms of right now, my investing thesis remains the exact same as since the day I started. Apple creates the highest quality devices in the market. I think they create the highest quality laptops, phones, tablets, and audio devices. A tech that they make is second to none, and Apple continues to hit on all fronts. On top of that story of hardware, they have their e ecosystem of their services growing like crazy, and now they're starting to finally flex the pricing power. Even though Apple's a massive company at $2.4 trillion, I continue to believe that they're both going to grow in total revenue and profitability. I think we're going to see their free cash flow continue to increase over time. In my opinion, I don't see any competitive threat to Apple, and the only thing I see as a real concern is the government. But outside of that one risk factor, I feel like this is still a very strong investment, especially at a 24 Ford PE ratio. 4.47 free cash flow yield. I still feel like this company's good value. So as of right now, I'm still holding Apple. I'm not gonna be selling a single share. Next up, we have Texas Roadhouse's earnings. This is a place you go if you want a massive meal in a loud atmosphere. Now, when I started researching Texas Roadhouse, I did not assume this would become one of my largest holdings, but the company simply has grown into that position, both through me adding a lot during what I consider to be a dip in the company and also the gains of it. We're up $5,700. It's been bouncing back between six and 7,000 in the green. So this one's actually one of the few companies performing really well this year. If we look at the dip finder here, which measures mathematically what companies are in a dip and which ones are in a price surge, right now there's only two companies really in a price surge in my portfolio. Pepsi's one of them, but then we have Texas Roadhouse outperforming the entire rest of my portfolio over the past 200 days. Currently, year to date, the company's up 10%, not including the dividend that they pay, which they do pay a pretty hefty dividend. Now, the earnings of this company was pretty simple. Comparable restaurant sales increased by 8.2%. 
So they're growing same-store sales after growing same-store sales after growing same-store sales. That is exactly what we want to see with any restaurant company or any retail company. Same restaurant sales or same store sales need to grow year over year. That's one of the biggest growth paths for these companies. And then Texas Roadhouse had their earnings per share increase by 23%. This is a bigger increase than all of big tech. And this is off the back of a really good season last year. So this company's growing earnings quickly. And of course, they continue to grow their restaurant count, opening up seven new restaurants in the quarter. The company also is completely debt-free. They say they have $185 million in cash, 75 million in debt. One of the things that impresses me with Texas Roadhouse is this company actually has some discipline with how they're running, their cost structure, their employees. They have discipline in their capital allocation strategy. They're one of the most efficient, effectively ran restaurants I've ever seen. And this shows up in the numbers over and over again. We see the revenue here, 14% year over year, very good revenue growth, 17% EBITDA growth year over year. So their profitability outpaces their revenue, which is exactly what we want to see. 24% earnings per share growth, very good in this market. They increased their dividend by 15% last year. So this company grows their dividend around double the average of a dividend paying stock. That's incredibly fast dividend growth if they're able to maintain this. And then another thing that Texas Roadhouse is doing that I think is overlooked right now is even though they're able to afford increasing their dividend by 15% year over year, they're also doing a lot of share buybacks and they're increasing the amount of share buybacks they're doing. This last quarter on a year over year basis, they reduced the shares outstanding by 4.19%. So they're paying both a 2% yielding dividend and 4% share buybacks. And they're doing this without taking any risks. The company has more cash on hand than debt. So this is one of the companies that even though I'm heavily in the green right now, I could sell this one at a pretty decent gain for just owning it this year. I continue to believe this company is undervalued. I think it still has some more room to grow. As of right now, I'm continuing to hold. Now, Vici is the last one that reported earnings in my portfolio. And again, this one is a massive holding at a $40,000 value currently with $8,000 in the green. Vici is a fun company to own. The reason why is they pay you a lot of money to wait around. So this company's really never boring. When I first started buying into it, my first dividend was $77. Then I grew my position. The dividend grew to $262. Then $400, $406, And then without any additional invested capital into Vici, not even reinvesting the dividends, my dividend payment went from $445 to $486 just by them raising the dividend by 8%. So as they raise the dividend year over year, this payment will continue to go up. But I love owning Vici because of that fat dividend I get every three months. I look forward to it. I can put it into different companies that I think are trading at better valuations. And in terms of investment theses, I don't think it can get any simpler than this. Vici is a company that owns properties and collects rents. That's basically all they do. And their contracts protect them to a large degree from the effects of inflation. So you invest in it for the high current yield and the dividend growth. That's basically the reason that you own this company. The cash flow that they earn in terms of REITs is called AFFO. This is similar to the free cash flow. It's called the adjusted funds from operation. And this is the major metric you look at for REITs year over year. Vici grew theirs 8.5% year over year to 49 cents a share. That is very good, especially considering that Vici had a very good year last year. They collected 100% of rents. So they're going against good comps and still growing AFFO 8.5% year over year. 
For me, I think this company's around fair value. I have no intention of selling it. I'll sit back and continue to collect these dividends and throw them into different companies that I think are currently at better valuations. So, so far, I'm thrilled with the results of the passive income portfolio right now. The top holdings in it are all having great operating results. They're having great reports. Here's how the results looked for the earnings last quarter. So this was Q2. A lot of companies beat. In fact, my portfolio overall beat out the S&P 500 in terms of beating their earnings estimates. So it was decent overall, but not amazing. I wanted it to do better. And if we fast forward to this earnings season, so far it's doing great. We're having better results. So far, most of the companies in my portfolio are beating on earnings per share, revenue, and giving strong forecasts. And I believe that the remainder companies will likewise have good results. Now moving on, we finally have the culmination of Elon Musk buying Twitter. The purchase is complete. Twitter's no longer publicly traded. And then we also had something funny happen. Elon Musk often does funny things, and this is something that I quite enjoyed seeing. He walked into Twitter's headquarters carrying a sink, and he tweeted out, let this sink in. His laughing and the fact that nobody knows what's going on here is just hilarious. Another thing I noticed, though, when looking at this video, it looks like it's during the day, during somewhat early morning time, and the place is just completely empty. Where are the employees of Twitter? I feel like the headquarters of Twitter should have a little bit more more people there, more, more action going on, more things happening. And I think Elon Musk probably agrees because he's not happy with the fact that people are working from home, they're not in the office, and he's not happy, of course, with the previous leadership of Twitter. He's made that quite public. The first thing that he did when he purchased Twitter is fire the CEO and the CFO and other top executives. Cleaning house, sending a clear message. Now, this was totally expected. He bought this company knowing that he did not like the current leadership of the company, their direction, their choices on freedom of speech and policy running the platform. I thought that this was a good move by Elon. This is also not that unique. Elon Musk isn't the first owner or executive to come into a new company and make himself known by firing employees. That is often the first thing that new executives do. It's a way of saying, you mean business. Pay attention to what I'm doing. Things are going to change around this joint. Now, later, these images surfaced online of Elon discussing and talking with a group of Twitter employees. He's surrounded by them, and they seem like they're in good spirits. They don't seem like this is doom and gloom. Maybe these are the employees that are hoping not to get fired. But I do think that Twitter is going to change. We're not going to see how it changes and all the internal changes, but I think there's going to be a lot of cleaning house, a lot of changes to the work atmosphere. I think Twitter employees are, generally speaking, going to be much busier at work. So we might have to wait years until Twitter finally surfaces as a public company. My prediction is at some point in the future, Twitter will again be a publicly traded company. Elon will try to grow it internally and then he'll try to cash out later. That's all for this episode. I'll have another update next week with what happens to this portfolio. And until then, have a good weekend and I'll see you next time.